재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵. Well, last week, Hong Kong's top electoral commission rejected the nomination of six candidates in their upcoming legislative elections over their strong views of stronger autonomy and perhaps allegedly even outright independence from mainland China. This ban has raised concerns over the neutrality of this electoral body and Beijing's tightening authoritarian grip over the self-governing city. To help us understand the situation better, we're very pleased to have joining us from the City University of Hong Kong professor in political economy, Dr. Stefan Ortman. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Ortman. Do you believe Beijing's disqualification of these six candidates from the upcoming legislative election is China's assertion, a strong assertion about its inalienable sovereign right to rule Hong Kong? Well, um, yes, I think this is uh, definitely the case, although it may not be the strongest, but mm. it, it definitely is uh, a very strong way of doing that. Um, because Chinese position is that it has an inalienable sovereign power over Hong Kong, and so it can do and needs to control Hong Kong more. Yeah? And that was already made clear uh, even before the umbrella movement in 2014. Yeah? And that's why Hong Kong, I mean, China has refused Hong Kong democratization, a real choice in selecting its leadership. Yeah? And uh, I think that the, overall that the current Chinese administration under Xi Jinping actually speaks for greater recentralization or greater centralization mm. of politics. And though it cannot allow uh, the territory to be ruled autonomously and even show some moderate opposition. So I think that clearly here is an attempt to, um, yeah. Okay. Not, yes. <laughs> the, the one one. I guess source of confusion for those of us who don't live in Hong Kong is um, many of us understand that there was some sort of an agreement or bargain as far as this basic law constitution is concerned in terms of ensuring uh, a relatively high degree of self-rule um, and we you know the year is bandied about but um, several decades into the future yes so this was made during the 1984 joint declaration between Britain and uh and China was a condition of uh, returning Hong Kong to China that uh, for f- at least 50 years, Hong Kong would be ruled separately under one country, two systems, and would also have increasing um, political participation, that meaning Hong Kong people ruling Hong Kong was the slogan, and that uh, they should increasingly have universal suffrage. For this reason, the Chinese government also introduced, I mean, inc- um, provided these electoral reform proposals, which they, of course, did not have to do theoretically, but under their promise, or in, also in, in response to local elites who hoped to gain uh, support and improve their governance here. So, um, yes, there was this uh, promise made in that uh, 1984 joint declaration and later also in the basic law, which uh, passed in 1990. And 1984, you talk about that agreement, many of our listeners weren't born then, and certainly um, even as you go later into the handover uh, in the 90s, uh, there is a younger generation that uh, doesn't necessarily remember all of this, but they are certainly, it seems to be, leaning towards a more favorable view of having more autonomy or independence. Is there, at least from what you're able to observe, a, a diminishing confidence in terms of preserving autonomy and democratic rule, this so-called one country, two systems principle? Yes, there is a uh, a widespread sense that this uh, um, 
that it is reducing, that the, the autonomy that Hong Kong was granted is a high degree of autonomy. So it's very vague. It's unclear how high, you know, what extent it is. We certainly notice that the Hong Kong is completely separate from the mainland. We, um, it is visible in the fact that it has its own currency, it has its own language, and, and so many things are separate from the mainland. Yeah? And so there is a high... De- uh, uh, higher than in most other places in the world, I would say. But for, um, in particular, in regard to the political involvement after the handover in 1997, there has been a slow and increasing involvement of Chinese authorities inside Hong Kong, which is uh, something that the students and other democracy supporters are, are, do not very much appreciate. Yeah, And this is particularly visible in, for instance, in the media, where there's a growing... A sinicization or occurring trend toward having pro-Chinese viewpoints heard or represented. And um, also, um, there were attempts to introduce national education in schools, which uh, after massive protests were withdrawn, but which uh, sought to um, introduce the, that the Chinese government mm-hmm. is such a great government and that the Communist Party is good in ruling and so on. And students saw it as brainwashing and felt that this this kind of thing is an inter- it, it, it intervenes unfairly inside Hong Kong's affairs. Yeah. And, and, and there are uh, also legal cases in which the Chinese government has intervened. So. And the most recent case, obviously, is the disappearance of the booksellers. Mm. Uh, one of them uh, seemed to have been abducted out of Hong Kong and without informing the local Hong Kong government. So that was uh, particularly troublesome to many of the uh, people in Hong Kong and especially among those youngsters in pro-democracy protests. What is the potential then for um, any large-scale backlash to this recent decision to exclude these candidates? So we know, of course, the Occupy movement had a massive protest that some people were wondering, could this be sort of a, a Hong Kong Tiananmen situation? Is Do you feel there is going to be any mobilization? Uh, um, no, I mean... It will. Uh, there will be mobilization and there will be a backlash, but the the scale of the umbrella movement will not uh, come back because there are deep divisions within the uh, democratic camp nowadays, and uh, the issue of independence is the main dividing factor. Um, I think the older generations are very much opposed to the idea and also um, cannot imagine this to happen. So they are uh, they. The pro-democracy, the older generation of pro-democracy activists are more interested in democratizing China and providing uh, a democratic future for China, while the younger generation feel like this is not ever going to happen. So what, what we have to want to do is get it for Hong Kong alone. So get independent is the more or mm. autonomy for Hong Kong is superior. Yeah? And so these two movements have been split. So when you see at the protest sites this year, that every year we have a protest, massive protest on July 1st, um, which is um, and, and which happens, I mean, it's institutionalized, it's happening legally and so on, and fewer and fewer people have been participating since the 2014, when I remember there was the most massive protest uh, since 2003, when it started, basically, yeah, and they had the half million people. And so in 2014, there was still, there's almost half a million, I would say. Yeah? But after that, it declined rapidly. So what, hap- what will happen now is... Um, Many, but smaller scale and more aggressive type of protests 
I mean, we had a fishball revolution. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. So-called fishball revolution or violent incident, which occurred on Chinese Lunar New Year, uh, in which protesters uh, threw bricks at police and mm. police got injured. And there was a big violence and fire burning in trash cans and so on. So... Um, I also know that students in my class yeah, have been saying, yeah, maybe it's time to use violence now. It's, right. uh, it's kind of a sad situation, okay. a sad turn of events, but it's, uh, yeah, that's the reality we're facing here in Hong Kong. Greater social instability, I would say. Well, uh, unfortunately, uh, we will have to leave it there as well. Professor Ortman, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate your expertise. Okay, welcome. Bye-bye. Thank you.